to work to keep a healthy heart. You already have a heart, but you want to work hard to keep it healthy. And that's what happens when we're believers. We have a, a new heart that God has placed into us, but we have to work hard at keeping that heart a spiritually healthy and spiritually happy. The energy that we have to please God comes from God working in us. It's not that we do this by willpower. We do this through God power. But when we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we know God in a personal way, Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for what? Good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. An essential workout to a happy heart is serving God by serving others because happiness starts in the heart. Good morning, Orchard Church. How are you all doing this morning? Good. Well, my name is Ryan Singleton. Um, I am a, a church plant intern here at Orchard Church. I also oversee the middle school and high school ministry called Fuel. Uh, this Wednesday, as I'm sure you already saw, we have Fuel United, where we combine both middle school and high school together for one service with awesome worship and raffle and pizza. And um, So if you know any middle school or high schoolers, please let them know about it. We would love to have them. We get about 85 plus students um, every single Fuel United. So praise God. Can we praise God on that? That's so cool. Well, I know what you may be thinking. Oh, man, we get the youth guide today. Nobody likes sloppy seconds, do they? <laughs> no, I'd like to thank Pastor Doug for the opportunity to teach this morning's message. It seriously is an honor and a privilege. Um, and before we get into the series, I also want to let you know uh, that for middle school and high school, we do have coming up a winter retreat as well. Uh, the winter retreat for the middle school is on uh, Valentine's Day weekend. We were uh, strategic on that, that's all I'm going to say, and so if you have a middle schooler that would like to go on the winter retreat, we would love to have them, and then the high school winter retreat weekend is actually the following weekend. Uh, if you want more information on that, I'll be at the fuel table after service. Well, hey, uh, we are in week five of our series, Pursuit of Happiness. And we are going through uh, verse by verse through a certain book of the Bible. That book of the Bible is? Philippians. Philippians. Thank you, Orchard. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Philippians. And we'll see what God has for us this morning. Last week, Pastor Doug talked about happiness of heart. He gave us some workout tips for the heart to live a happier life. And today, we're going to look at happiness of character. Happiness of character. You see, we've been doing these ridiculously long hashtags that are almost unnecessarily long, and so I have a ridiculously long hashtag for you this morning. You ready for it? Hashtag level of character determines level of happiness. Level of character determines level of happiness. I mean, how many of you would agree that character is a very important quality to possess? Anyone? Absolutely. I mean, we hold character in high regard, right? I mean, we admire men and women of character. I mean, I would say as your, character, as your level of character goes up, your level of happiness goes up with it. And that's what Paul is going to teach us today. I mean, think about it. There are very few compliments 
that touch the heart than when someone looks you in the eyes and says, you are a man of character. You are a woman of character. For whatever reason, I mean, that just blesses our hearts. I mean, that, that makes our week, that makes our, our, our month, possibly, because we hold character in such high regard, because character is important. And my wife and I, we have three kids at home, and so if we're looking for a babysitter, we definitely keep in mind character. I mean, we don't go on Craigslist and look for the lowest bidder. <laughs> Instead, we're looking for somebody that we can trust. I mean, who wouldn't want to babysit these beauties? Uh, these are my kids right here, Kinsley and Gannon. Um, don't let their looks fool you. Uh, they definitely can be a handful at times, as all, are all kids. But man, I love my kids with all of my heart. I mean, this, this is where my heart is. This is a, a sensitive topic for me anytime I talk about my kids. And so if I'm going to find a babysitter, I'm going to look for somebody that I can trust, someone with character. Now, I mean, my wife and I, we haven't been on a date night in a while, so if you want to offer us free babysitting, we'll throw character out of the window, you know. <laughs> we won't even make that an issue. No, I'm just kidding. Character is important. We want someone with character. D.L. Moody put it this way. Character is what you are in the dark. I mean, in other words, I've heard it been say that character is who you are when no one is looking, Right? I mean, imagine you're going into a gas station and someone walks out and all of a sudden a $100 bill happens to fall out of their pocket. You reach down, you pick up the $100 bill, you look around and realize no one's noticed that this guy just dropped a $100 bill. I would say character is what you do with that $100 bill. I mean, do you go and actually try to chase that person down? Maybe they're not to their car yet and you say, hey, excuse me, you dropped this, you may want this. Or do you actually just put it deeper into your pocket and say, all right, cool, well, lucky me. Character is who you are when nobody else is looking. And so it's no wonder that people that have character walk in happiness. I mean, because they're not pretending to be somebody that they aren't. That's just who they are. They're letting who they are naturally come out of their lives. And they say, you know what, what's on the outside is actually what is on the inside. And I think we would all agree what's on the inside of a person, character, is what really, really counts. Well, today we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 19 through 30. And uh, this is one of those sections that if you were reading on your own, you kind of read through it. And maybe, you know, something doesn't really jump out to you. It's kind of one of those, those sections that possibly you could even skip over. But man, if you were to do that you would miss out on some huge things that God has for us in regards to character. See, Paul's going to tell us about two guys in this section. The first guy is by the name of Timothy. You may have heard of him. Well, the second guy, not very well known, his name is Epaphroditus. And through these two men, Paul's going to show us four character choices of happiness. And that's what they are. And that's important to remember. They are choices. They are choices. Character development is and must always be a choice. And so, I need to make a character choice to number one. Well, this is the first main point in your notes. Number one, I need to make the character choice to shift 
the focus away from myself. It's the first thing we're going to see this morning. To shift the focus away from myself. I mean, let's take a look in our Bible starting at verse 19. It says, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send who, church? Timothy. So here's our guy. This is the first person we're going to see in regards to making good character choices of happiness. To you soon for a visit. Well, why is Paul sending Timothy? Remember, Paul is in prison. He's writing to a church in Greece, the church at Philippi. That's why we call this the Philippian letter, the book of Philippians. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. Here's Paul's view of Timothy. Don't miss it. Verse 20. I have, what church? No one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about who? Your welfare. Your welfare. So Paul mentions this guy named Timothy. He holds this guy in high regard. And man, I mean, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And so if there is a a guy that Paul mentions and says, hey, I hold this person in high regard, I think it is worth taking the time to actually hear Paul out. This is the first guy that we see. I mean, he describes Timothy as saying there is no one else like him. He genuinely cares about your welfare. See, I have to care more in life about more than just myself. I need to care about more than just me, 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 myself, and I. Because if I were to continue to live my life with that type of perspective... I'm going to be a pretty miserable person. I am, because all I'm thinking about is myself. Yet that phrase, Paul describes him, he says that there is no one else like him. It really sticks out to me. It's as if Paul is saying, unselfish people are hard to come by. Would you agree, church? Unselfish people are hard to come by? Absolutely. They're definitely hard to find these days. I mean, we have a lot of characters but not a whole lot of people with character. And I agree with Paul's statement. He even goes on in verse 21, follow along with me, it says, all the, uh, all the others care only for who? Themselves. And not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Church, would you agree that that would explain our generation these days? That would explain our culture? We have a lot of people living for themselves? Absolutely. I mean, I admit it. It's hard to admit, but I admit it. I, I'm, I'm selfish. I am a selfish person. My natural tendency is to think about myself first before other people. I mean, just the other day, um, my, uh, I got up early in the morning to make coffee. It was the last cup of coffee. And so did I make it for my wife of three kids who was up constantly throughout the night with our newborn? No. I made that last cup of coffee for who? Me, you snooze, you lose, honey. (laughs) I'm a selfish person. I mean, I don't wake up in the mornings thinking whether or not you have had a complete breakfast. That's, That's not normal. My natural default to think about me. Your natural default is to think about you. We have to intentionally train ourselves to not think about ourselves, not put ourselves first, but to shift the focus and put other people around us ahead of ourselves. I mean, here's a question for you. When you walked into the auditorium um, here just not too long ago, 
What were the thoughts? What were the first thoughts that came to your mind? Was it, uh, how do I look? Was it, who do I know? Was it, I hope I can find a seat? Or, I, I hope nobody is in my seat. Or was it, who can I help? God, who can I help today? I mean, I'm coming in here, and I don't want to be about myself today, God, so who can I serve? I mean, who here needs my help today? Who here needs encouragement? Who here needs maybe just a a quick time of prayer that I could just pray over them? You see, it's not normal for us to think that way. It has to be a choice. It has to be the intentionality behind it. We have to intentionally train ourselves and not think about ourselves. You know, and I think we have a perfect opportunity to put this into practice with our Super Bowl times. You know, we're, we're starting new service times next week. 8.30, 9.50, and 11.10. And the whole reason why we are changing these services is because we want to reach more people. It's not just about ourselves. I mean, believe it or not, we're not doing it to get 30 more minutes of sleep. Although, I will admit, that is awesome. Especially with three kids at home. <laughs> but that's not the reason why we're doing it. We're doing it to reach more people. Statistics show that if somebody is going to try out a church, they're going to maybe come for the very first time. They're going to come between 9 and 11 o'clock. And by moving these service times around, we are trying to create more opportunities to reach more people for Jesus. Isn't that what we're all about, church? I mean, that would be horrible if we stopped reaching people for Jesus. We never want to do that. We always want to reach them for Christ. Not thinking about ourselves, but shifting the focus onto others. Well, Paul says about Timothy, I have nobody like this guy. I have no one like him because he actually takes a genuine interest in you. I'm sure you've all been there before where you're having a conversation with a person. They're not really making eye contact. They're they're, uh, just staring over your shoulder and kind of looking like they're looking for somebody else to talk to. It looks like they're just trying to get out of the conversation. But Timothy, this is a man of character. This is a man who genuinely cared for other people. And I believe there was intentionality with that. It's not something he just woke up in the morning and he just naturally did that. There is intentionality and said, all right, today I am going to shift the focus away from myself. See, in life I found this to be true. And this is in your notes. The more I focus on me, the more unhappy I'll be. The more I focus on me, the more unhappy I'll be. I want to make sure it sticks this morning. Say it with me. The more I focus on me, the more unhappy I'll be. Church, if we were to shift the focus, if we were to be intentional with that and to shift the focus onto other people, do you think we would be happier in our lives? I do. I absolutely do. I mean, nothing brings more joy to my face than, than when I, you know, give my daughter a gift. It's not necessarily that she needs a gift. She doesn't need that present, but to see the joy on her face. I mean, to put other people before yourself. It is a blessing. And as our level of character goes up, our level of happiness goes up with it. It's a choice. We must choose these character choices. Well, second character choice of happiness is that we can, uh, excuse me, uh, that we can put into our lives, a second character choice that's in your notes, is to be someone people can trust. So we also live, uh, that's what we also learned from Timothy. To be someone people can trust. Let's continue on in our section of scripture at verse 22. 
It says, but you know how Timothy has what? Proved himself. You may want to underline those words, proved himself, because in it we see our second character choice of happiness. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as uh, soon as I find out what is going to happen to me. Remember, Paul is in prison in Rome. Verse 24, and I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. So Timothy not only shifted the focus away from himself, but he was someone that people could trust. And specifically, someone who Paul trusted very much. I mean, take a look at that scripture again. He refers to him as a son. He, he actually touches on this relationship and saying, hey, we, we, we treat each other like a father and a son. I mean, any type of relationship like that, that is built upon trust. It has to be. Imagine a father, you know, were to hold out his arms, you know, as his, his son was up on a ledge. He says, all right, kid, go ahead. I'll catch you. And the kid jumps and then he just lets him fall. He's like, oh, maybe next time. It's a horrible dad. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Well, why? Because fathers love their sons. There is a mutual trust there that binds them together. We can all agree that trust is important in any type of relationship. I mean, for me, I'm, just, I'm thankful that Pastor Doug and the church allow me the opportunity to be able to teach again. It may be my last time teaching, but at least right here, right now, they trust me. There is trust there. They trust me to do a good job. Well, in verse 22, I love this. Here's a little nugget for you. Uh, verse 22, um, that word proved is actually the Greek word dakime. And what dakime means in the Greek, it literally means tested character. Isn't that cool? So in other words, you can read it as, but you know how Timothy has tested character. See, the more your character is tested, the more people trust you. And the more people trust you, the happier you are going to be. I think we would all agree it's no fun when people don't trust you. You know, you feel offended. You feel slighted. I mean, why don't they trust me? But as your level of character goes up, your level of happiness goes up with it. It's been said this, the most expensive thing in the world is trust. Because it can take years to earn and just a matter of seconds to lose. Boom. Just like that. Trust broken. I also heard it said that trust is earned in drops and it is lost in buckets. And it's true. Trust is a day-by-day -day thing. In marriage, I mean, couples, when you see couples really struggling with their marriage and they're not really getting along very well, it's usually because there is a lack of trust that is going on in the relationship. It has its way of having this ripple effect throughout the rest of their relationship. And so trust, it takes time. It takes time to build. It's, it's a day-by-day -day choice to be trustworthy. See, my, my wife and I, uh, we have learned not to trust our kids when they're quiet. <laughs> Just the other day, my wife and I, uh, we were downstairs having coffee, having a pleasant conversation when all of a sudden dawned on us, this isn't normal. <laughs> It's not very often that we can actually sit down and there's peace and quiet. And we're actually able to have a pleasant conversation. 
And so we run upstairs to try to figure out, okay, what, where are our kids at and what are they doing? And sure enough, my, my two oldest, Gannon and Kinsley, this is what we found them doing in the bathroom. <laughs> So Kinsley, uh, these are in her own words, she said that she was taking the toilet paper, putting it in the toilet, putting her hands through it like that of spaghetti, and then she was putting the toilet paper on the countertop that you could see there. She said it was dinner. <laughs> and I love, uh, I love, you can see Gannon's being scolded in this moment, he's crying, uh, but, that, you know, it's just funny the differences between the two kids. Kinsley is just so proud. <laughs> oh, man. See, our kids, for us, they, they need to still earn our trust. We don't let them be alone. And if it's quiet, we know that they are doing something bad. We need to make sure to go check them out. We don't approve of them being alone, quiet, because something bad most likely is going on. Well, same way, Paul approves of Timothy. Man, because Timothy is a man of tested character. He's someone that Paul knows he can depend upon. And if we want to be men and women of character, we want to see our level of happiness go up, then we need to become someone people can trust. It's a choice. It starts with making a choice to be that person. Well, we have learned that Timothy was a man of character. He shifted the focus away from himself and onto other people. We also saw that Timothy was somebody that Paul could trust, and so we could take these character qualities and put them into our own life. Well, Paul now moves on to another guy. You might remember the name, but man, if you are looking for original baby names, I got one for you, okay? Here's the name of your next child, Epaphroditus. There's the name. That's a biblical name for you. Well, from Epaphroditus, we learn the third character choice of happiness. And that is number three in your notes, learn to work well with others. So what does that look like? I mean, what does it look like to work well with others? Paul's actually going to give us two examples, which is really nice. It's right out of Scripture. He's going to give us two examples to learn to work well with others. First one is this, cooperation. Cooperation is key to learning to work well with others. Continuing on in our, our scripture, verse 25. It says, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. So this guy was sent, remember, by the Philippian church to Paul in Rome. This is what he has to say about him. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. So Paul refers to Epaphroditus as a guy who worked really well with others. He had learned the importance of cooperation. I mean, even look how Paul describes him there. He calls him a true brother. So this speaks as a family. I mean, he refers to him as a family member. That's an honor. He refers to him as a co-worker. So somebody that he works side by side with. He refers to him as a fellow soldier. So here is someone that he refers to that he fought alongside with for a common cause. If you look at these three different terms, these, these are teamwork terms. I mean, it's true that in a family, cooperation is necessary in order for a family to thrive. In the workplace, cooperation is crucial in being an effective business. Well, as a soldier... 
Cooperation is vital to survival. This guy was a team player. Cooperation was important to him, and he lived his life in such a way that he learned to work well with others. I mean, believe it or not, cooperation is important for the church as well. I mean, it blows my mind. My wife and I, we've been just so blessed here at Orchard Church. We've never been on such an amazing team before. I mean, I'm used to being on a team where I'm just told what to do, and I say, aye, aye, sir, and I do it, and I either get a job well done or I get maybe criticized for the work. But the coolest thing with our church staff here at Orchard is it actually doesn't really work that way. A lot of people think, all right, well, Pastor Doug, he makes all of the final decisions. You know, he makes all the important decisions. Well, every Monday morning we have a leadership meeting, and we talk about making, you know, these different decisions. We talk about it, we collaborate, and then we make the decision together. See, I believe God honors that. There, there's strength in numbers. There is wisdom in numbers. We may wonder why God is blessing Orchard Church so much. Well, maybe this is one of the keys. Epaphroditus, he not only excelled in cooperation, but he also excelled in another area where he learned to work well with others. And this second area was consideration. So not just cooperation, but consideration. Moving on, let's take a look at verse 26. Paul says, I am sending him, so speaking of Epaphroditus, because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost, what church? Died. That's pretty crazy. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. See, Epaphroditus, he was considerate. And I would say considerate almost to a fault. <laughs> Here's this guy, he's on a mission to, you know, go deliver this uh, care package to Paul in Rome in prison. And all of a sudden he becomes very ill. He becomes very sick and almost dies. And what is his biggest concern? It's worrying about the church at Philippi and how they are distressed over his well-being. <laughs> I mean, talk about consideration. That's, that's amazing. He didn't want them worrying about him. I believe this is a key to happiness. Think about it. The more considerate you are to people's needs, the more considerate you are to people's fears, their doubts, the more considerate you are as a husband, as a wife, the more considerate you are as a father, as a mother, the happier you are going to be and the happier people around you are going to be as well. It takes intelligence and consideration to really not just say what first comes to your mind, but actually to consider the other person's feelings and how they're going to take something. I've unfortunately lived the, or, or learned the hard way in, in terms of communication where there are three levels of communication, right? I mean, you've got first one, which is email and text message. Second one, you've got a phone call. Third one, you have an in-person conversation. And I believe that whatever conflict we have or whatever we go through, maybe it's a topic of discussion that needs to come up, we need to filter it through those three different levels. There have been times where I've sent a text message and maybe I was sarcastic or joking and someone took it the wrong way. Anybody else relate with me on that? Hands all over the place, absolutely. We have an issue here. <laughs> Also, there have been times where I've been on the phone and I called someone and I thought it was, okay, well, yeah, I could talk with them on the phone about this. And yet, maybe after the, the phone call, I found out 
They were offended, and maybe they, you know, they, they took it the wrong way. And it wasn't my intention to offend them, but that should have been a sitting down type of conversation. This is consideration, considering how someone else is going to take things. And that's how I believe we learn to work well with others. Cooperation and consideration. I mean, imagine, that can help us tremendously in our marriages, with our friendships, the workplace, a sports team. I mean, coordination and consideration, I mean, I'm going to you know, kind of stretch a little bit far here, but it could maybe even get you out of a ticket. I mean, I'm just saying, all right? If you were to be considerate and cooperate with the police, hey, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there, okay? But we need to work that well into our lives. We need to learn to work well with others. It will not only bring happiness to our lives, but it will also bring happiness to those around us. And honestly, who wants to be a Debbie Downer? You know? <laughs> who wants to be that person that when you come around, they're like, oh, great, here comes Ryan. <laughs> I want to be someone that elevates everybody up to another level. I want to bring their level of happiness up. I don't want to actually put them down or push them down. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Because as your level of character goes up, your level of character goes up with it. Let's get back to Epaphroditus as we see our fourth character choice from Paul this morning. And that fourth character choice that he mentions is number four in your notes. Live for something worth dying for. To live for something worth dying for. Truth is, not a whole lot is said about Epaphroditus in Scripture. We know that. But man, what it does say about him, we can absolutely learn a lot. Because here was a man of character. Here was a man who was willing to risk his life for God. Here was a man that was willing to put his life on the line because he was living for something worth dying for. And that's our fourth point that we see. Verse 28, um, let's go ahead and take a look at it. It says, so I am all the more anxious to send him back to you. Speaking of Epaphroditus. For I know you will be glad to see him. And then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy. And give him the honor that people like him deserve. Verse 34, he what church? Risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Man. That risked his life, you guys. I don't know if that's something that we can really relate with today, right? I mean, here in the United States, here in America, we have it pretty well. We live pretty comfortable lives. For the most part, I mean, God has taken great care of us, right? I mean, God's taken really, really good care of us. And so it may not be something that we can relate with, but the way I see it is this. Here in America, here in the United States... God isn't necessarily right now asking for us to die for our faith. You know what he is asking of us? He is asking us to live for him. God is asking us to live for our faith. We don't have to die necessarily for our faith, but, make, but really we need to make sure we're living for the right things, the right purposes. I mean, if we live for the right purpose in our lives, we're going to be happy. We're going to be happy. My wife and I, we've been serving together in the ministry ever since we've met. Um, and it's been an awesome privilege and an awesome blessing, but it's also brought about some really tough times in our life. 
And I still remember uh, we were uh, serving together up in Eagle, Colorado, a church plant that I was uh, fortunately a uh, uh, part of, that I had the, the honor and privilege of being a part of. And all of a sudden we found out we were pregnant with our first, Kinsley, and so we really felt like God was putting on our hearts to move down this way, to Denver. And it was really tough because I actually had to step away from the ministry. I was working a full-time job at the bank, and, and, and the bank job was awesome. Don't please hear me correctly. I'm not speaking poorly of the bank job at all. But man, it was tough because I felt like I wasn't being used in the right way that God had actually created me for. The whole time I felt like, man, God's created me for something different. God has a different purpose in my life. And I had a, such a heart for church planning. I'm like, I really believe it's that, but I have no idea how I'm going to be able to get there. And God is good. I mean, being here with you all this morning, I'm just blown away. I'm blown away with how far God has taken us on this crazy, tough journey to get here. And I just want to share a little bit of input or a little bit of wisdom here what God is doing here at Orchard Church is like nothing I have ever seen. I've been a part of four different churches. I've never seen this type of growth before. I mean, I wish that this was normal, but I don't see this many baptisms at any other church. I haven't seen this much life change. It hasn't been such a pleasure to be on board. I mean, I truly feel like God has placed us here for a reason. And that's to live for God. That's to live for something way beyond myself. Man, what an amazing feeling that is. To live for God, to live for Him, and it's something way beyond yourself. See, I would just like to encourage you guys to get on board with us. I mean, it's been such a blessing. My wife and I were just like, hey, we'll, we'll just do whatever you want us to do, God. Whatever you, your will is, that's what we're here to do. If that's student ministry, you know, we're going to help out with student ministry. If that's helping out with the host team, then I'm going to do that. You want me to open doors? That's what I'm going to do. And church, I just encourage you to, to do that same thing. I mean, what a blessing it is to be a part of God doing something way beyond yourself. I mean, we need people serving. We need people discipling others. We need people, believe it or not, helping in children's ministry and student ministry. I just encourage you to fill out that connection card and get on board because, man, to live for something that is higher than yourself, that is to live for something worth living for, but also to live for something worth dying for. So there you have it. Four character choices we can make to make sure that our lives are happier. That if we were to put these into practice, man, we would see happiness come from, out of our lives from the inside out. See, we admire people of character, and I think this last point is very important. I don't want you to miss it. Jesus was a man of character, amen? And so true character, it comes from God. True character, I mean, if you see character in an individual, you know that that character has come from God. So we should be people. We should strive to be people who focus on others, people that, that others can trust. That we would learn to work well with others and that we would live for the right purpose in our lives. That we would live for something worth dying for. Let's make it a point to put these things into practice and to live our lives as men and women of character. Amen? Because as your level of character goes up, your level of happiness goes up with it. Heavenly Father, uh, may you help us to be men and women of character. God, may we live our lives in such a way that we're putting others first. That God, that we would be 
a church and that we would be people that others can trust. We would learn to work well with others. And Father, we would live for a purpose worth dying for. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for everything you have for us. And God, just how much you love us, how you went to the cross and you died on the cross for our sins. God, may we be a people, Lord, who continue to seek your face. As we continue in the attitude of prayer today, I know that there are many of those uh, out there this morning that, who are already believers. You already have a relationship with Christ. You already have a relationship with God. But maybe here this morning, one of these four areas really spoke to you. I don't know what God spoke to you, but God does. And if there's one thing I know that's important, it's to act upon what God is speaking to you about. Maybe it was to shift the focus away from yourself more. Maybe it's to be someone that people can trust. Maybe it's to learn to work well with others, to live for something worth dying for. Whatever it is, maybe your heart this morning to God is, God, you know what? I know that I need to, to work on that. I need to get better at that, Lord. Would you please help me? Father, I just want to confess that area of my life this morning. And I don't want to just be a hearer of God's word. I want to be a doer of God's word as well. Church, if that's you this morning, and you would just like to, to pray a pray, quick prayer with God, that I could maybe pray for you, would you just slip up your hand and say, you know what, that's me. God, I want to work on that area of my life. Help me to work on that area of my life. Hands all over the place. God is good. Still, more hands. More hands. God bless you all. I just want to pray for all of us, myself included. God, I pray that we would be men and women of character. That as our level of character goes up, our level of happiness would go up with it. God, we ask that you would give us the strength to work on these things, Lord. Knowing that we don't have to work for our salvation, but Lord, we're working out of our salvation. Ultimately, we want to be more like you, Jesus. Help us to be more like you. Give us the strength, God. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through you, Christ, who strengthened me. So, Father, may your spirit strengthen us now. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know whether or not you have a relationship with God. Maybe for the first time ever, you're actually considering having a relationship with God. And you've never accepted him into your heart as your Lord and your Savior. I'd like to go back to that fourth and final point real quick. To live for something worth dying for. Well, guess what? What God thinks about you is that you were someone worth dying for. Because he did it. He died on the cross for your sins 2,000 years ago. Because he loves you. He cherishes you. He thinks the world of you. And maybe some of these character choices really spoke to you this morning. Maybe you look at it and say, you know what? I want to be a man or a woman of character. Well, the truth is, in order to be a man or woman of character, you first need to know God. True character comes from God. But man, this morning you could allow him to come into your life. You could ask him, God, I open up my life to you in faith today, and I want to allow you to give me new character, that I would live a new life for you. If you're here today, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right here, right now. From your hearts to God's. 
Pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I want a new life with you. May you come into my life, God. Forgive me of my sins, God. Forgive me of of the bad person that I've been, but I want to choose here today, God, to live for you. Make me today clean, God. Make me innocent before you, Father. Free me, Lord. May you forgive me. I ask that you would come into my life, Jesus. You would help me to live here on out. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and the new life that I have in you. With all heads bowed, eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer the very first time this morning, I would love the honor and privilege to to pray for you, that you would continue to grow closer to Christ, that you would continue to seek Him no matter what, that this would be an amazing occasion, this would be an amazing opportunity, that this is the day you started living for God. If you prayed that prayer, could you just simply just slip up your hand just real quick? Nobody around is looking. No one's watching. See your hand in the middle. God bless you. Another hand. God bless you. Hands up top. God bless you. Praise God. Welcome to the family. Praise God. See your hand. God bless you. Hands all over the place. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those who place their faith in you. They are now born again into your family. They are children of God. They have a new heart, a new life, a new start in you, Heavenly Father. I pray that they would continue to draw closer to you more and more each day, God. We celebrate their decision. We welcome them into the family, God. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for never giving up on us, for always loving us. We pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ this morning? Appreciate Ryan's great message this morning. I know Ryan mentioned a couple of times how blessed he is to be a part of Orchard Church. I think we're blessed to have Ryan and Stephanie and their family as a part of our church. Amen. We know God has exciting things for them. We're excited to have them here. If you're a first-time guest today, please let us know uh, that you're here. We want to get to know you better. Hopefully you fill out that guest connection card, and you can drop that in the offering book when it goes by. We're not interested in your money today, first-time guest, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. We'll send you a thank you note and a gift in the mail. If you just made a decision for Christ, you raised your hand and said, yes, I prayed that prayer of faith, uh, let us know about that decision on your connection card and drop that in the offering bucket so we can continue to pray for you. We'll send you a little book called Seven Steps to Joy. We'll help you with your new walk with Christ. So uh, let us know about that decision. In case you guys haven't heard, there's a, there's a little game uh, that's going to be taking place next Sunday night. Anybody excited about the Super Bowl and our Broncos? But it's also an incredible opportunity for us to have a day of evangelism and outreach here at Orchard Church. And we're going to embrace it in that way. We did this two years ago when the Broncos were in the Super Bowl. And we're going to do it again this year. And when we did this uh, two years ago, we told people, invite your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. We had people come to church on that Sunday to try to win a, you know, a Broncos gear or a Peyton Manning jersey that normally would never come to church. And uh, to their surprise, but not to ours, because we prayed for it, we had over 25 people accept Christ two years ago on Super Bowl Sunday, and we believe God's going to do that and more this year. 
So take advantage of this opportunity. We hope all three of our services are packed out. Do not come alone. You've got people that would never come to church on a regular Sunday, but they'll come next week. So grab one of these invite cards, two or three of these. Uh, they're on the back tables before you leave today. And we believe and are trusting God's going to do amazing things to reach people in our community for Christ on Super Bowl Sunday. We've got some amazing NFL uh, football players, uh, testimonies. It's good. You do not want to miss next Sunday. It's going to be incredible. So we look forward to uh, having that together. In just a moment, we're going to close in a response of worship through song. We also get an opportunity to worship as a church through our tithes and our offerings. A biblical tithe is 10% of our income back to the Lord, giving to the Lord first and of our best and believing the rest will be blessed. Amen? And our offerings or anything over and above that tithe, we have people that are so generous here at Orchard Church giving to missions and feeding centers to our legacy building campaign. So thank you for your incredible generosity. We so appreciate it. It's making a huge difference in our community and around the world. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to say this from time to time, and it's true any Sunday, but I want to remind you of it because we have been blessed here at Orchard Church, and we believe we've been blessed to be a blessing. Amen? And so if you're here today and you're 21 years of age or older and you have a need in your life for food, shelter, or clothing, as the offering bucket goes by, if there's cash, we get a certain amount of just loose cash given in the offering and it's not in an envelope. If it goes by and you have a need and we can meet that need, you feel free to take whatever would be a blessing to you. Would that be okay with your church? We'd like to bless some people in that way. We mean that. I said this a couple of weeks ago. I had a lady after service came by and tears were running down her face. And she said, you have no idea how much that blessed me today. I had no idea God was going to provide in that way. It's fun to be able to bless people. And so uh, take advantage of that if that's you today. Let's stand as we close in a song of worship and worship through our gifts. God bless you, Orchard Church. I love you. Have a wonderful week.